Welcome to Podsdale, where we delve into the heart of our vibrant community and explore the stories that make Scottsdale truly special. I'm your host, Holly Walter, from the city's Office of Communication. Whether you're a city employee, a longtime resident, or a newcomer eager to discover what makes Scottsdale tick, I'm happy to have you listening. But before we dive in, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and I'm talking about baseball back in Scottsdale today to talk about all things spring training. We have Kyle Urban, the Stadium Operations and Event Supervisor at Scottsdale Stadium. And we have one of our favorites on the show back, our citizen advisor, Bruce Wall, who is also a history buff and knows all sorts of things about Scottsdale. And he's going to share a little bit about the history of Scottsdale Stadium. Kyle and Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Kyle, let's start with you since you're a new guest to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so Kyle Urban, I serve as the Stadium Operations and Event Supervisor at Scottsdale Stadium. Been working for the city for about a year and a half now. I came from the University of California, Davis, and prior to that, University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. Uh, California-born, grew up a Giants fan. Uh, circumstances in life, good move for my partner and I to end up here in uh, the greater Phoenix area. And opportunistic opportunity with this job and pounced on it and fortunately worked out. But uh, very happy at Scottsdale Stadium. Feels like a home to me now. And the city of Scottsdale has been great to myself and my fiance. So we're very happy here and love it. Well, it's great to have you. And your title is a mouthful. So what what's kind of your daily grind. What do you what do you do in that position? Sure. Yeah. And explaining that to people is challenging sometimes. But basically I oversee the ballpark. So any events that happen inside of the ballpark, any baseball games that we have, any outside private events that we bring in, as well as making sure that, you know, maintenance requests are put in, sort of the basic things to run a building in general are things that I'm responsible for. During spring, my responsibilities don't necessarily change too, too much, although the Giants come in and they bring their team to essentially run the day-to-day game day operation stuff. We are still there to support them all the way through, so making sure that the building is operating as it should for both the Giants and their fans. And spring training, as we mentioned, is starting soon, but you guys really start the prep work far before that happens. Can you give us a rundown of what we do, our city staff, to prepare for spring training? Yeah, so we like to say that spring training prep begins in April after spring training ends in March. And that's <laughs> that's true in a lot of ways. We have infrastructure upgrades that we do. Uh, lately, it's been almost annually with a renovation that we started the bulk of in 2019. And okay. we're sort of still wrapping up phase two of that. And that's scheduled to end after next spring. So we'll uh, hopefully be set up in 2025 as sort of a more full stadium based on uh, some money that was granted to us to complete these projects and buy in from the Giants. But we uh, redid our seating bowl this year. So we redid the fronts of our seating sections. We built a new first base patio and we added uh, new seats. You'd think a stadium seat is always going to be there, but they do get old. And so there's a replacement cycle for those. And so we were able to replace all the backs and bottoms in that this year, as well as kind of fix the block fascia that's on the front Mm -hmm. of our seating section. So it looks really nice in there. 
Um, those projects don't happen in a vacuum. So it's a lot of people at a table trying to figure out, one, how are we going to fund it? Fortunately, we had a funding source for, for these improvements. How are we going to do it? What companies are we going to partner with to make sure that happens? And how are we going to get it done before spring starts? And so we started planning for those before last spring, and we're able to action on them this year. And so when folks join us in the ballpark this year, they'll see some shiny new upgrades and a facility that's been standing since 92. So it's a nice uh, nice upgrade for us. Then we do a lot of things for both the players and team as well as the fans. So things as simple as making sure offices are ready. So when the Giants move into their clubhouse, which is attached to our facility, mm-hmm. uh, we use it 10 months out of the year for private events. And there are offices, small rooms, bathrooms, large event spaces. So our field house, if you haven't been there, is a 10,000 square foot facility where we host a lot of city events as well as community events and private events uh, throughout the course of the year. The Giants have a different use for that. So they use it as a cafeteria. They use it as a place to actually practice indoors when it's raining. So they've got some turf rolled out in there and take some grounders and that sort of stuff. And then team meeting space as well. And so making sure that that's prepared for them, uh, cleaned up, kept up, Mm -hmm. and all of those things happen. We make sure their locker rooms and offices are deep cleaned. Any feedback that we got from the previous year, so things that they hope that we might improve or consider improving over the course of the year, we take care of those changes. And then when the players and team are on site and in that clubhouse and living and breathing Scottsdale every day, we've essentially got 60 days to make sure that we're sort of meeting their needs in terms of upkeep and, you know, anything from doors working to toilets flushing, all that, and making sure these things that you take for granted that someone behind the scenes is doing are being done and being done in a timely fashion. For fans on the actual stadium side, we're ensuring the stadium's uh, ready to host them as well. So making sure the seating bowl's cleaned, ready to go. We've got our seats all labeled, sections are taken care of. Any signage that's, you know, older, we're replacing throughout the course of the year. We're working with our concessionaire on sort of what they're offering, what their footprint looks like, if we're making any design changes. So if you're trying to find a pretzel, where can you get it? And what's the easiest path forward for us to make sure that that's available to all of our fans? We're coordinating with Giants on security and guest services, so how they're setting up their security gates, what those are going to look like, who's manning those posts, and what we can do on a stadium operations team side to be able to support that. We're working with our custodial team to make sure they're not only ready for game day, but ready between games, after games, because when you open up a facility and you have people come in there, you would you know, hope that everyone would take their trash and throw it away, but we know that's not reality, and it may be you know, just forgetting or thinking that someone's going to pick it up behind you. But we know that between games, it's kind of a breakneck pace, especially on these days where we've got doubleheaders, not doubleheaders, but back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly a bigger task than, you know, I think I ever imagined ending up in this role, but it's right. so important. And so partnering with our contractor who supports our custodial efforts is really important to make sure we're ready to go. We coordinate with facilities, City of Scottsdale facilities on everything. Um, our building tech is awesome, and he's taking care of just about everything that we ask on a daily basis. And during spring, those requests come even more mm-hmm. uh, as all of our spaces are being used. But we have plumbers and electricians ready to go every game day as well, who are sort of the unsung heroes behind the scenes that I think do a great job for us. And then it's making sure that the ticket office space is ready to go. So uh, a lot of people may know this, but for City of Scottsdale employees specifically, you do get a little bit of a discount on tickets that you purchase at the box office. Okay. And when you purchase them at the box office, you also don't have to pay those online ticketing fees. So 
provided a game's not sold out. I know we're close to selling out a couple at this point already online, unfortunately, but the ticket office usually opens like February 20th. Okay. And so you can come in person, purchase those tickets, and save yourself a few bucks um, and just bring your badge with you and say you're a City of Scottsdale employee, and that helps as well. That's a great tip to share. And you mentioned the Fieldhouse. I was there not too long ago for an MLK event, so it's... Interesting to think about that transformation that can be made in that space. It's a pretty large space. Yeah, and it it pretty, I would say it happens overnight, but it happens very quickly. The day that we're recording this podcast actually was the last event that we're going to host in there before we switch over to springtime. And Mm -hmm. uh, that means putting all of our tables and chairs and taking them offsite and kind of clearing out the space so that the Giants have what they need to be successful. And we take a lot of pride in that. I think the last piece of preparation, which is certainly the most important on our side, is our our grounds team Mm -hmm. is preparing the field surfaces, both on our main stadium field, our practice field, as well as our half fields year round. So you can play baseball out there outside of overseed at a very high level and expect a high level playing surface. And that's Matt Clark, Travis Wessel, his crew that I'll kind of pitch in on that on an annual basis. And I think one of the things that sets us apart, and even players, you know, when you talk to them in the dugout and they come in and use the surface, extremely complimentary of the work that those guys do. And it's it's an annual undertaking. It's never takes a day off. Grass is living and breathing. And I think it's something we take for granted when we see it mowed perfectly. But the difficulty to keep a surface that good in Arizona with two different types of grass throughout the year hot. We know it's been really cold lately. Trying to keep it lush and vibrant and all that is work that certainly doesn't go unnoticed by folks when they're looking at it or taking their Instagram selfies out there. But I think the work behind it is is massive and always like to make sure those guys are highlighted because the work they do is incredible and helps make our facility what it is. It's always beautiful. The field always looks great. There's definitely a science behind making that happen. Yeah. And we've got the best scientists in baseball, in my opinion. And how many employees work at the stadium? Good question. So people tend to think that our team would be huge. Uh, it's not the case at all. So we have, uh, as we currently stand on the operations side, so the team that I oversee, we've got four full-time staff and two part-time staff. And then on the ground side, they've got four full-time staff that are working primarily at the stadium, and then another eight that work at Indian School Park, which is a facility we also oversee. And during spring, those 12 will all come over to the stadium to support spring training operations. Uh, If you've never seen it, having to roll out a tarp when it's raining, incredibly heavy, requires a lot of person power. And so trying to make sure that we're prepared for that at all times is important. And that's something that Matt and his team, you know, they're ready to go no matter what the circumstances are. A lot of moving parts to get ready for that first game. And once that does happen, let's talk about some tips and tricks that we can share with those who are attending spring training. We actually do have people who are here year after year, and then we have some people who visit Scottsdale for the first time. Where would you start in advice that you would offer to visitors visiting the stadium? Sure. Um, Specifically at Scottsdale Stadium, so one of the I guess gripes that you'll see if you look at like our reviews online, and I I don't like to... uh, you know, give the haters too much shine, if you will. But (laughs) I think it's important to mention, um, we are somewhat limited in terms of our parking offerings. And uh, one thing that we have in place to combat that, that the Giants have done forever, is they open the gates two hours early. That's earlier than most other spring training venues. 90 minutes is kind of the standard. Some go to 60 on certain days, but we open up two hours beforehand. 
And with that opening up, we do have a nice big parking garage in the Scottsdale Civic Center Library garage that we use as our primary parking space. And if you get there two hours before the game, you typically are not going to have an issue parking. If you're getting there 10 minutes before, you might be searching Old Town to find where you can you can park and be picked up by the Scottsdale trolley. If you need more information about that trolley route, it should be updated on our website in the next week or so here. So that'll be up there for fans to look at. But once you're able to park, find parking, come in, you'll be greeted by a lot of different scents, depending on the gate that you come in. Our concession offerings, we've got 50 plus points of sale. So there's all variety of foods that you can check out and try from typical ballpark fare to like a brisket mac and cheese burrito type situation. A lot of things that you're able to check out on that end. When you do come to Scottsdale Stadium, we uh, do our best to make sure the fan experience is good. So getting in is typically pretty quick. The Giants team works really hard to make sure that our security lines aren't too long, even right at gate opening two hours out. If you have little ones that are interested in getting autographs, that sort of thing, typically the Giants on the first baseline will sign a lot of autographs in that two-hour time period before the game. They may throw a baseball or two over there. But if you come with your own baseball and a pen, typically a lot of the players are, are willing to sign, especially for the, the little guys. Kids run the bases after the game as well. So if you're a parent and you're bringing your child and they wonder what it'd be like to run around the bases, it's an opportunity to do that. And I think that's a cool offering that the Giants have. So they offer that after every day game. Oh, great. The night games end at 1030. And so uh, we don't have that extra hour. But when we're first pitch is 105, we're typically ending in that 330 to 430 window. And so we stick around for a while so the kids can run around out there as well. And getting there early is a great tip, not only to get in, get your snacks, find your seat, but also, like you said, to avoid some of the parking challenges. But also the Scottsdale trolley was a great option that you mentioned. And I should also add that it is free. It is free. Yeah. And it's it's really important for us. Folks are expecting to get there closer to game time. We always recommend rideshare options, not only to help with parking congestion, but if you do want to enjoy a beverage or two, obviously being safe is important and it'll drop you right off on the corner of Osborne and Drinkwater as well. Perfect. So when you put in Scottsdale Stadium, both Uber and Lyft know to drop off in that location. Oh, wonderful. And Waymo as well now. All right, Waymo too. Now, is there a bag policy or anything else that attendees should know if they're entering the stadium? Certainly should, yeah. So we're a clear bag policy. Things that people don't know, I guess, along with that. And we do have a laundry list of rules and regulations on our website. But essentially, we're clear bag. So don't bring purses. Don't bring backpacks. If you're coming from the airport for whatever reason, don't bring your luggage. We did have to send a couple people away with that last year because, unfortunately, uh, we can't store it due to the security risk it poses. Mm -hmm. You are able to bring in sealed bottles of water. So you can bring in a sealed bottle of water for you and essentially one for each person in your party. We do have refill stations inside, so you can refill that as the game goes on, as well as uh, sealed snacks you can bring in too. But everything's got to be in a clear tote. If you don't have one when you arrive, you can actually purchase one at the team store on site. Uh, Fanatics has some offerings for that. But essentially any clear plastic bag is what we recommend. And that clear bag policy travels with the Giants from San Francisco to here. Um, So it's consistent enforcement. And if you're someone that's been to a Giants game in the Bay Area, you'll see that our rules are very, very similar to theirs. Okay. And now once you're inside the stadium, any advice once once you're in to enjoy a game? Yeah, I would say look around um, and take a walk around. A lot of people you know, have a tendency to get in, want to get their snack, get to their seat as quickly as possible. But I think depending on where you're at in our ballpark, your views are very different. 
behind home plate, you're seeing the McDowell Mountains in the background. You're seeing bits and pieces of Scottsdale as you walk up from right field, our new first base patio that I mentioned that's being opened. You have a great view of Camelback, which a lot of people don't know. Our lawn seating is a ticketed area. So unlike some other spring training venues, based on our capacity restrictions, we actually do have to restrict that. But there are some places where you can grab a drink and hang out in left field that aren't part of the ticketed area per se. From center field, you get a great view of essentially the stadium itself. See the Popco Buttes in the background behind it. I think we're a really cool, you know, historic park. And I know we'll get into the history a little bit later, but a lot of great baseball players have played there. And there's a lot of history in that site. Since 1992, we've had a lot of great moments at Scottsdale Stadium. But even before that, back mm-hmm. to 1956, where the first stadium was built on that site, um, some of the photos are incredible. And seeing it go from essentially farmland around the stadium to what it is today is is pretty neat. And being a part of that and trying to preserve the history while also adding new features to the park is something we take very seriously. And I think that Scottsdale Stadium really has a unique feel compared to some other spring training stadiums here in the Valley. What type of remarks do you hear from people who visit the stadium? Yeah, I think a lot of the feedback is that it's just like a pure baseball experience. I mean, folks that come to Scottsdale Stadium are typically smiling, having a good time. We don't get a lot of complaints lodged during games. And I think it's just the baseball culture that's been created in Scottsdale, owed in large part to the city, also the Scottsdale Charles, and making sure that people are uh, keeping baseball in the forefront of, of the minds of citizens of Scottsdale. And I think our proximity to Old Town is incredible. So you've got people that are coming to visit Old Town Scottsdale and just might happen to catch a game at the same time, or you've got the baseball lifers that are coming specifically for baseball that also experience Old Town at the same time. But I think it's just a pure baseball experience. We're the second oldest ballpark in the Cactus League right now, but I think we've done a lot to modernize and to keep up with trends, and we're continuing to do so. And I think we offer just a great place to watch a ball game, bring your family, safe environment, and typically great weather in the spring as well. So. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody has that, but we get less wind than some of the other stadiums. I love the suggestion, too, to walk around the stadium because you're right. Your perspective from different places is incredible. And it's, you know, there is so much history there. So let's jump to that portion of the program and talk to Bruce Wall. Bruce, can you give us a quick recap of how Scottsdale Stadium was founded? Sure. It goes back to 1955 to the Pink Pony Restaurant. There was a group of residents who were having lunch at the Pink Ponies. They did every day. And in walked Paul Richards, the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. One of the guys said, hey, Paul, why don't you bring your team and practice in Scottsdale? And Paul replied, sure, build me a stadium and I will. And that's exactly what happened. They formed the Scottsdale Baseball Club. They pre-sold box seats. And they raised enough money to start building the stadium. Within one year, it was open, and the Baltimore Orioles was the first team to play for the first three seasons. Then it became the um, Boston Red Sox, and they played for a number of years. There was a gap where there was no team, and then the A's came, and then finally the Giants in the 80s. And how large was the stadium when it first opened? It was even smaller than now. It was even more intimate. There was only 3,000 seats, and it was an all-wooden stadium back then. Wow. So it's definitely gone through some changes, as Kyle 
mentioned and uh, at one point a rebuild and there's been a number of renovations that have right. taken place on the property and so a recap of the team what teams have played at the stadium okay so the Baltimore Orioles started okay. out first for three seasons and then we had the Boston Red Sox and we were fortunate to have people like Ted Williams playing here and we would get visited by several old baseball greats who would come because of the Red Sox being here. Baseball greats like Ty Cobb, who would come to visit when the Boston Red Sox were here. They stayed until about 1966. We had a season with no team, and then 1967, the Chicago Cubs came here and stayed for 12 seasons. Then in 1979, we had the Oakland A's, until 1982, we had the San Francisco Giants game, and we've had the Giants since 1982. And the Giants come with a um, pretty enthusiastic large fan base here to Scottsdale every season. Absolutely. I was going to mention that in the early 1990s, back when Herb Drinkwater was mayor, they did a major renovation to the stadium, sort of updating it from the wooden original 3,000 seats to a little bit more modern 1991-esque stadium. But as Kyle mentioned, there's been several renovations since that time. And another important piece of Scottsdale Stadium are our very own Scottsdale Charros. And I believe that they began their efforts in 1961. Can you share some history about the Charros? Yeah, the Charros was uh, an effort by a group of business leaders who wanted to create a business group that would support baseball in Scottsdale. They knew the Scottsdale Baseball Club that had started building the stadium. It just wasn't going to continue. It needed some some younger people that were going to maintain it for longer. So they these businessmen got together and they formed Scottsdale Charos, all volunteers. And it's been a pretty remarkable thing since 1961 till today. There's still the Charos running and operating with volunteers and people from our community. Just an incredible thing that Scottsdale's baseball was started not by a government it was the local people here in Scottsdale chipping in the money, buying tickets so that we could build a stadium and then renovate the stadium. And now, yes, it is run by the city of Scottsdale, but it's a treasured jewel of the city of Scottsdale. Started by the people. Yep. All right. And here we are today with a new season about to start. Kyle, where can folks find out more about ticket purchasing? Sure. Um, so scottsdalestadium.com. Uh, we, we recently got our our domain under our purview, so that'll route to our site. On that site, you can click spring training information. There's also a direct link to purchase tickets from the Giants, and we recommend that everyone purchases directly from the Giants for a number of reasons. One, it's going to save you a lot of money. The seats that are still available for these games are typically going to be a lot cheaper when you purchase them direct rather than using a third-party site like StubHub, SeatGeek, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so strong recommendation there. On there, you'll get spring training information. You can view that clear bag policy we talked about earlier. ScottStillStadium.com is going to be your resource for that. Okay, great. Well, I'm looking forward to another great season. Kyle, Bruce, thank you both for joining us on today's episode. It was my pleasure. And that's all for this episode of Podsdale. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or your favorite podcast streaming app. Feel free to share your thoughts and experiences with us by emailing communications at scottsdaleaz.gov. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Holly Walters signing off and inviting you to be part of the Scottsdale story.